For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. By triumphing over them in him, the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. You may be wearing something on your wrist that helps you keep track of your steps. Uh, maybe it also tells you when to have a glass of water when to go to bed, when to get up off the couch. Do you remember when watches just told time? Um, those poor souls, right, back in the olden days, you wonder how they did anything. Did they just sort of stand around, I'm thirsty, what do I do? I need to get from here to there, what do I do? Right? It's a good thing we have these. But it, it is human nature to forget the essentials sometimes. And so, especially in our day when we're so distracted at times and fragmented, it's good to be reminded of the essentials, right? It's good to be, hey, get a sip of water, take a nap. And so these devices can be helpful. Get our, get our steps in. We need to be reminded of the essentials to stay on track. And that's, this passage, in a way, is like a spiritual step counter from the Apostle Paul. He's telling us to keep on walking after Christ, to not go astray. We're continuing in our series in the book of Colossians, and we've been seeing 
over the last few weeks, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church that's being threatened by false teachers. Rather than only focus on what these false teachers are saying that's wrong, Paul primarily chooses to focus on Christ. Look first and foremost at the beauty of Jesus Christ, and that's what we've been seeing in this letter. His application of the truth, the person and work of Christ, to our lives continues in this chapter that we look at today in chapter 2. Paul loved this church. He wanted them to, to stay the course and not to be led off the path by these false teachers. So he lays down for us in this text some clear instructions, some essentials to keep them going, to keep us going in the right direction. He tells, he tells us how to keep walking in Christ, and as we walk, how to keep our eyes on Jesus. And so let's pray as we turn to this text of Scripture. Father, thank you for this time that we have to come together every week and worship you. So we want to pause in our hearts, Father. We know that many things are on our minds and hearts, and there's many things distracting us. There's many things calling for our attention. But, Father, we want in these moments to give our attention solely to you. We love you. We ask you to open our eyes and hearts to this truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bible, Colossians 2, the passage that we just heard read, thank you, Laura, for reading that for us. I'm reading out of the CSB. Colossians 2, starting in verse 1. Let's look again at those first few verses. Paul says, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. And so Paul here first, off the bat, expresses his desires for the church. He affectionately tells them, I want you to know that I'm struggling for you. Paul's apostolic ministry that involved lots of hard work and suffering and toil and struggle, he says, I'm doing this on your behalf. It was for all believers and certainly they were included. He wants them to be encouraged in heart. Now when we think of heart, we tend to reduce it to just our feelings, our emotions, right? Follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? as opposed to our minds. Uh, but that falls short of what Scripture means about uh, what it means by heart. Heart in Scripture is the center of the whole person, their will, their feelings, and their thinking. And so Paul wants them to be strengthened in their whole self. So let's not put a false dichotomy between head and heart, though sometimes we can struggle in one of those ways. But Christian maturity involves the whole person, Paul wants our hearts, our whole self, to be encouraged toward Christ. And he wants them to be joined together in love. This is unity. This is the first time we've heard about unity in this letter to the Colossians, but we know from the rest of Paul's writings, unity is a huge priority to the apostle. How can the church rightly function if its members are divided and not united? How can they stand strong against false teaching if they're distracted by Uh, not loving one another well. And so we see how mind and heart are connected here. Paul wants us to see these things. Paul wants these things for the church that they may have, he says, all the riches of complete understanding and have knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. Hearts encouraged, unified in love, complete understanding and knowledge. 
This reminds us of Paul's prayer already for them that he shared in chapter 1, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As we heard a few weeks back, right belief is the foundation of Christian living. We can't really separate the two. And this mystery that Paul wants us to grasp here isn't mere information. It's a person. Verse 3, in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. One commentator calls this short little verse the Christological high point of the whole letter. And if you've been tracking with us, that's saying a lot after what we saw in chapter 1. Why does he say this? Uh, Commentator Douglas Moo says this is because this verse captures Paul's main Christological point. Because in Christ, in him is found all that we need to understand spiritual reality and to lead a life pleasing to God. In this one little statement, Paul sums up his argument to silence the false teachers, to encourage the church. All spiritual wisdom is found in Christ. It's not Christ plus law-keeping. It's not Christ plus some secret hidden knowledge. It's not Christ plus anything, Paul says. It's just Jesus. So now Paul's ready to address the false teaching directly. Look at verse 4. He says, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. So if we've been convinced that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ, then we won't be deceived by something outside of Christ, right? These arguments that try to pull us away from Christ won't work on us. If Jesus is the answer to all of life's most important questions, then we have no need to look for those answers elsewhere. And so Paul has told us here from his heart what he wants for this church, what he wants for believers to be encouraged and unified and defended strong against uh, false teaching as we pursue Christ. So that begs the question, well, how do we do that, Paul? Well, he tells us here, right in the heart of the passage, verses 5 through 7. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Verse 6, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Paul says, church, for this For you to have this blessing that I want for you, you need to keep on walking in Christ. This command in verse 6 is another key verse, and there's many that we've seen already, but this is another key verse in this book that sort of sums up what he said already and taking us further into the letter. Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. This word received is often used of receiving uh, teaching, receiving instruction, but again here it's receiving a person. Paul says the Colossians received Jesus himself, and as they did so, they received him as Lord. Professing their faith in Christ as Savior meant submitting their lives to him uh, as their Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then that, of course, has everything to do with our daily lives, doesn't it? How we live, how we interact with people, how we interact with the ideas uh, in our culture today. In other words, just as you came initially to Christ Jesus, submitting your life to him as Lord, continue walking that out. Get your steps in. Keep walking this way every day. 
See, Paul's desire for the church happens when we cooperate with the Spirit, when we allow Christ to direct our thinking, our affections, our lifestyle. Keep on walking this way, Paul says. So what does this look like? Well, Paul loves his metaphors, and he really lays them on strong here. Let's look back at verse 5. He says, their faith is well-ordered and strong. These two words uh, put together are a military image. Mike Traben's not here to give us his Marine Corps illustration, so you'll have to settle with a civilian perspective here. But Paul's commending this church. For, for They were well defended. They were ready to withstand enemy attack. And next, Paul pictures this walking under Christ's lordship in verse 7. Look, he says, being rooted and built up in him. There's two more metaphors he just throws out. Rooted is a horticultural term, right? Deep roots. We remain close to Christ as we are deeply rooted in Him. We are the branches. He is the vine. The church, Paul says, should be like a tree with roots that are deep enough to withstand storms and attack. Well, rooted is like a tree, but built up is like a building. Elsewhere, Paul uses the image of the church as a building, uh, being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Himself, uh, the cornerstone. Now, for you grammar nerds, it's worth noting, rooted is an aorist, and that's past tense. That means uh, it's done, right? As in, we've been planted by Christ while built up is present. The idea of continually being built up, ongoing growth. The result is a strong foundation that we would be established, he says, in the faith. Now, remember, these false teachers are trying to pull the Colossian believers from the faith, not just weaken their personal faith a little bit but pull them from the faith. And so Paul's desire is that they would be a stay established in Christ, in the faith. Next is the image of a student, just as you were taught. Paul says they can be secure in knowing the apostolic truth they received was received by them, and now they're expected to live in light of that truth. And then he says we live this out by overflowing with gratitude. This is like a river overflowing its banks or a, or a cup overflowing. A believer should be known by the gratitude that just spills out of us. Thankfulness is such a mark of a mind and heart that are in tune with Christ as our Lord. If we are walking in Him, when we are walking with Him closely, when we see clearly that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and life itself are found in Him, what else can we do but praise Him? but give thanks. And so gratitude is such a natural response to the truth that we know as believers. And so Paul lays on these metaphors to give us a clear picture of what this walking looks like. How does the church live into all that Paul wants for them? How do we do this? Well, we keep on walking in Christ. It's just as we've received Him, we keep walking that way. And as we walk, we need to keep looking to Christ for our sufficiency. Look at verse 8. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. Be careful, Paul says. Be careful. So as a dad, I'm a worrier, and those two words come out of my mouth a lot. I find myself saying to my kids, be careful, be careful, be careful, as if just... Throwing out those magic words will keep them safe, right? It doesn't really do anything. It's not really that helpful. But if I say, hey, kids, there's a car coming in the street. Be careful. Get out of the way. 
Well, that's helpful, right? That gives them something to act on. That shows that there's immediate danger and I'm giving them instruction. Paul's warning here has this force. There's immediate danger and I'm telling you what to do about it. He says, be careful. Watch out that no one takes you captive. That's a strong word. So it only, sh- only shows up here in Scripture. But Paul chose this word carefully. It means to be carried off as spoil. As you would loot a dead body on the battlefield. It's a strong image. Now, this is what the false teachers are trying to do. If the enemy has his way, God's people would be carried off like spoils of war. And this is done through, Paul says, philosophy and empty deceit. Now, philosophy is just a system of belief. So Paul's not condemning philosophy here in general, but specifically those philosophies that are characterized by deceitfulness. Those that are based on human tradition, things of the world in opposition to Christ. I like how the NIV puts it, hollow and deceptive philosophy. That's helpful. Paul doesn't want us to be deceived. And he's going to get to, shortly in the letter, as we'll see starting next week, he'll get to some of those specific errors, some of those, the negative teachings and traditions. But here he turns us to the ultimate protection against what is false by shining the light again on what is true. Just as he did in chapter 1, he shines the light on the person and work of Christ. And let's just read through verses 9 through 15. This is such a rich text. We only have time to hit a couple highlights. But if you're a believer in Christ and you're struggling at times like we all do with gratitude, hear these words, starting in verse 9. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by Him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands, by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of Christ, when you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Look at what the all-sufficient Son of God has done for his people. By the way, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's done this for you. Jesus died and he rose again to give us this new life, to reconcile us with God the Father forever. And so when we, when we put our trust in him, when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are forever forgiven, we are reconciled, we're given this new life, this new spiritual life that Paul's talking about here. There's so much here, but let's just zoom in on verses 9 and 10 for a minute. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. Once again, with just one short statement, Paul sort of demolishes countless heresies and false teaching that's come up throughout history. Jesus is fully God and fully man. So if all of God, all of God's nature is in Christ, he's saying, there's no spiritual truth or life found apart from Christ. You follow? Then verse 10, and you have been filled by him. 
God's fullness is in Christ, and we have been given this fullness of life in him. As John 1.16 says, For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. This is not the first time Paul's talked about this idea of fullness. He may be, contra- he may be uh, contrasting the false teachers and their claims directly here when he keeps bringing up fullness. They may have been framing their message as in something like, uh, come find the, the true fullness of life. Come find full spiritual meaning, full spiritual experience beyond Christ. What's Paul saying? No, there's no fullness beyond Christ. All the fullness of God's nature is in Christ, and Christ is in you. Nothing can be added to Christ, Paul is saying, and there is nothing in you, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, that is lacking. Some of us need to hear this and hear it well. We sometimes imagine that we are fulfilled by the things of this world, by human relationships, by our accomplishments, our achievements, or money. How's that working out for humanity? How's that working out for us? We know instinctively it doesn't work, but we keep trying. When couples fall in love, sometimes they tell each other, you complete me. You ever said that to the one you love? It sounds romantic, doesn't it? Give it time. (laughs) Give it a minute. It's not a dig on marriage, by the way, because no human being can bear that kind of weight. No human being can bear the weight of completing another person. No person and no thing in this world can take the place of the all-sufficient Son of God. Jesus alone completes you. The fullness of God's nature is in Christ, and Christ is in you. In Christ, there is nothing you lack. There's nothing beyond Christ. There's nothing greater than Him. He is it. What a powerful argument against the false teaching, isn't it? What could the world possibly offer you, church? Just hollow and deceptive ideas. You already have the greatest thing. You have Jesus. What are you most tempted at times to think completes you? Where do you keep searching for fulfillment and answers, meaning and truth that keeps disappointing? You, if you know Jesus, Paul says, you have been filled by him. Paul had big dreams for this church. He wanted them to be encouraged and hard. He wanted them to be unified. He wanted them to have all complete spiritual knowledge and understanding to be protected against false teaching And a couple millennia later, this is still a good desire for the church. This is a good desire for Trinity Fellowship Church. How does that happen? How do we keep going in our faith? Paul gives us these commands. Just as we've received Jesus as Lord, keep going. Keep walking, right? And keep your eyes on him to find your fullness in him. Keep walking. Just like a step counter reminds us to get up and walk, we need to keep walking with Christ. Not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. His lordship should impact the decisions that we make, how we interact with our neighbors, how we spend our time. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the privilege and the responsibility of being step counters for each other. Hey, keep on going in the faith. Does somebody have passport in your life to say, keep going? Do they have the passport at times to say, hey, get up and let's go? Let's keep going in our faith. 
Are you encouraging someone like that? And so, Trinity Fellowship Church, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by Him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your Son who gave himself for us while we were dead in our sins. He made us alive in you. Father, give us eyes to see all that we have in Christ so we would be strengthened to stay the course, strengthened to keep going, strengthened to encourage one another to keep going, to keep our eyes on Jesus. May we find and continue to find our sufficiency in his sufficiency. And so we worship you. We thank you in the name of Christ. Amen.